podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to It's Only a Game. In a season where City are on three-peat and the Seagulls look set to steal chips across the continent, Love Island is competition for the best villa in Europe. Meanwhile, Leeds and Leicester take L's as they drop into the Championship, with statistically the worst Everton team in fucking history somehow surviving. Luton's away end has gone as viral as Will Still in the 1963 Boxing Day results, and they've completed the fairy tale. Let's just hope the Premier League don't get them to kill the Kenny. Those bastards. Sheffield Wednesday are left wanting more, more, more after a classic playoff campaign, and Carlisle going up creates the best moment in the Simpson household for many seasons. Today, we're joined by Greg, as well as the boys from Waterball Lake, Ant and Gary. How are we doing, gents? Not bad. Thank yeah, you very all much. good. Thanks. I all good. Love that intro, mate. Brilliant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Doing all right, Jim. Yeah, another good that intro. All day. Absolutely. <laughs> Nothing else. Wasn't just sat there for five minutes before recording. Um, no. Peeking behind the curtain. Um, sorry, Greg, you were saying, mate? Yeah, good reference for Simpson. Big fan of Paul Simpson. I'm glad Carlisle went up. Um, yeah, I thought you'd enjoy the Simpson bit. Um, just as a, as a, I didn't realise actually until listening to a podcast before the League Two player final because he doesn't. But I think his son works for Stockport. Does he? As a scout or a coach or something. So mm. there was a bit of a rivalry on the day where I think they were going to not talk for a couple of days beforehand because obviously, like, he's the manager of Carlisle. I think his son literally works for Stockport County, and it was a case of like one of those weird. Juxtaposition, so I thought, ooh, there's got to be a joke about the Simpsons household in there somewhere. <laughs> That's quite good, I like that. So we get straight we'll get into... straight um, into all things, lads. Um, yeah. And Gary, of course, you've been welcome back to the podcast. You're on your second appearance, I believe, now? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Second. Yeah. I'm glad you from over, because I was going to say, I was going to say you do your hat-trick ball, but then I forget, I think I've been on your podcast twice, so... Um, <laughs> We will we'll we'll leave the typical Absolutely. third album for uh, for next time. Eh? There you go. <laughs> we'll, we'll get we'll get the hat trick ball signed and ready for you for next <laughs> time. Um, no, um, so obviously both your massive Sunderland fans, the biggest club in the northeast, of course. Can't think of anyone else that was top that. Nah. Um obviously lost in the playoffs to the fairy tale that is Luton Town that everyone's going on about. Um, how do you rate your first season back in the championship overall? Um, hard to really gauge when you've done so well coming back but is it a sense of what could have been or is it a case of we've overachieved and just great to be back at this level for now um bit of both really like when you get there when you get the playoffs you, you do want to win don't you so obviously losing to Luton Town you know especially after the first leg when I thought we were excellent and you know playing with half a team um you know I, I was gutted after after losing to Luton but I kind of when you look when you look on the season, considering everything that's happened, you know, as 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 we all well know, you know, obviously Alex Neal left us to to join Stoke. You know, really thrilled that they did really well this season. Um, you know, that's sarcasm, by the way. Um, but you know, we were we've been, you know, obviously we've lost Ross Stewart for God knows how long this season. You know, we're not, we're playing a lot of games out of striker, um, and then in the last six weeks of the season, we just seem to get injury after injury after injury. And, Having to play, you know, young lads, you know, having to play centre half, uh, sorry, a right back, centre half, a centre midfielder, centre half, a winger, left back. It was just, you know, to get there was just such a, such a great accomplishment under under Tony Mowbray. Once once we got there, 
Yeah, a little bit disappointed, but you know the the team that beat at least the team that beat us have gone on to get promoted. I think you kind of take solace in that, don't you? That you know you've lost to the winners. So and, and normally the team that finishes third don't normally go up to there, you know. But you know, I think in all three of the divisions, the team that was like the closest to the playoffs all won, didn't it? I'm fairly confident Carlisle came fourth in League Two. I know I'm gonna be proved badly wrong now because it might have been stopped up, but never mind. Um <laughs> but you know, all in all on the season, yeah, Mint were playing some wonderful football. You know, fingers crossed we can keep the majority of the squad together. Get you know, get some recruitment in, you know, get get a striker <laughs> and um see what happens. You know, but yeah, it's great great to support the team again. You know, we've had four four years in League One where it was horrible. You know, we've managed to get out of it and then first season back sixth place you can't argue with it can you Gary yeah absolutely I mean massively overachieved first and foremost um I think you know we would have took 21st place in the league start surviving by a point and as they staying up um to finish sixth and especially sneak in on on the very last day of the the normal season is insane results went our way uh you know, we're a team as well who haven't spent any money. We we bought, I think, Jack Clark, and, and that's the only player we, we financially used money to buy. A lot of our moves have been loans. Actually, you know, one million for Jewison Burnett as well. Um, so a lot of our players have been loans, has been development moves. Uh, to, to see how well like the, the, the young players have like gelled for a season where we we haven't even had our full time squad for, squad for the majority of it, we lost you know Ellis Sims in January, which was a blow. We were left effectively with no striker because of Ross Stewart getting injured again. Um, we had to get Joe Gallart in, who bless him, he, you know he's he's played under twenty one football for most of the season. We could clearly tell as well towards the back end of his time for us. You could tell he was really finding his feet. He was really looking a bit more. Not fit and alive, and you know, really adjusting to that role. But like Anne said, like we've had half a team. We we played a back four in the playoffs of a right winger central midfielder by trade at right back. Linda Gooch actually signed as a striker from Santa Cruz. We we would have played him as a left winger naturally, playing left back, centre midfielder of Luke O'Neill playing centre back, and Trey Hume right back playing centre back. So to achieve what we've actually achieved um is brilliant um and i'll remember that I, I did make a prediction that we would win the playoffs on our podcast um i was only you one... also said stockport will go down though so you I won did. for one really right? yeah <laughs> i did i did but to be fair i was only two games away from potentially being right there but um optimistic Sullivan van got to be optimistic you know we have had a, a lot of you know, terrible seasons where things just haven't gone our way. So we'll have to be optimistic. But overall, brilliant season. Just need to crack on. We need to work on the project. We need to we need to keep the players who have really, you know, improved our side, such as Jack Clark. Um, you know, keeping Patrick Roberts around for another season. Pierre Ekwar looks like he, you know, he has some ability about him. Um, you know, we we need to work on Trey Hume's development. Anthony Patterson's came on brilliantly this season. Um, needs to learn to kick a ball, but you know that's a lot of goalkeepers nowadays. And yeah, just think overall, just a really good season, really good time to be a Sunderland fan. Um, playing the best football we have in years. So yeah. For me, you know, we've overachieved. Even if we finished in the bottom half of the table, we would have been overachieving. So, yeah, I'm happy with that. One thing that struck me um, 
with your side is I think not that I don't obviously follow you week in week out with your results and that but I think when you don't really you get a perception of what a team is like and their recruitment's been like over years and are, you know having seen obviously the stuff on Netflix sorry lads to reference that you must be sick of the back seat of it but <laughs> I know no but where, where the team was largely a lot of like older ex-Premier League players and stuff like that and I was really surprised throughout the season seeing just how young your team was and then juxtaposed with the fact that you had a, a pretty old school kind of well what's perceived to be an old school manager in Tony Mowbray coming in and how good the football is when you think about Mowbray you think oh he's going to be a very sort of typical kind of Neil Warnock style championship manager you know that standard kind of sort of British old school way and yet what have you made of him because I think he's been really forward thinking he's really like impressed me as to how much of a modern thinking adaptable tactician that he is and his ability to blood young lads in to I mean to get Ahmad Diallo on loan for one is an absolute masterstroke I think he's been fantastic and I'm gutted you're most likely not going to get him back from United next season I think he's going to be in the Premier League with someone unfortunately mm. sorry but you know He's a cracking player, but just the players you've got. Uh, there's a base of, for me, Pers, is a great young side there that I reckon could definitely get prediction early, could kick on and go up next season, most certainly. But what have you made the Mowbray coming in? Because it, it's not an appointment that really stylistically fit compared to Alex Neal. Yeah, it's, he's, he's taken on the team and done more with it than arguably Neil would have done. Yeah, it, it was probably a blessing in disguise, to be fair, in, in looking back on it, where... You look at what Alex Neal's done at Stoke, and and they have struggled, you know. And you know, I said earlier on before, you know, I'm of, you know, what what what, what Alex, Alex Neal will never forget what he did to us because obviously, you know, he, he got us out of League One. We'll will we'll be internally grateful, but he, he chose, you know, the money over the project, which which is totally up to him. Um, you know, it it is what it is. But when Mowbray came in, I remember a lot of fans were a little bit skeptical of it, but we um. We interviewed a Blackburn fan um, on an, on another website that I'm part of, and they said that he'd be absolutely amazing at um, recruiting youth and developing them. Because uh, when he was at Blackburn, they had a really young side as well, um, and just mixed it in with the experience that we've got. I mean, he's he's been phenomenal. Um, you know, especially the fact that you know everything's been like kind of kicked on him, as in Ross Stewart getting injured pretty early into his tenure, and then coming back for about maybe six or seven games and getting injured again. His captain Corey Evans gets injured in January, um, and you know we've we're literally we we have been stuck with these players who are probably not ready yet. You know the likes of Pierre Aquar came in, hadn't played a professional game, and he's all of a sudden having to play every week because we haven't got a fit centre centre midfielder, um, and he's just done the 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 job he's done really cannot be described in in words to be honest if you get what i mean by that you know it's just the, the feeling of that you know he's brought he's helped bring back a feeling of like kind of optimism among southern fans you know and we nearly did it this year and if he had done it you know i'd have, I'd have given him a job for life at Sunderland, you know what i mean but you know we fell at the final well, the second off last final or whatever it is but um long term though i'm not sure if he's the man that we're going to be looking at who's going to be the custodian of this club for the next five, six years. I think it'll be a younger manager who will, it'll basically like what, what they're trying to do with the players, you know, develop younger players, develop a younger manager and see where we are in five years time with, with this manager. Um, I'm fully on board giving Mowbray another year to see what he can do. Um, and if he can get us up, brilliant. 
But I think in two or three years, you're probably looking at a different manager now and all that. That's kind of weird saying this guy's finished sixth. But it's the way the Sunderland model is, he's the most dispensable part of the club because he doesn't sign he doesn't sign the players. Christian Speakman, Stuart Harvey sign the players. He's literally just giving these players and making, you know, you're, you're the one who has to, you know, get them together, train them up and see where they are. But they could do that with any manager, if you know what I mean by that. So it, as, as weird as it sounds and as horrible as it sounds, I'm not sure if he's the man to take us up because of his, is his history and getting teams promoted. He's only been promoted once in West Brom. So, and, and especially in the Premier League, you look at what you look at the types of like manager that, that Mowbray is, you know, you, you compare him to Warnock, Warnock struggled badly in the Premier League. And I think Mowbray will do exactly the same thing. I think he's just a little bit, you know, a fish out of water a little bit, but, you know, you kind of take away the job he's done. You know, I'll, I'll probably get pelts for saying this, you know what I mean? But, you know, because I'm, I'm so like, I've met him a couple of times this season as well, and he's such a nice bloke. Um, but you look at you look at the way Sunderland are going with this model. I'm not sure he's going to be there in the next two or three years. As 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 mad as it sounds. I've got a quick question. Actually, uh, I managed to watch the um this the Preston Sunderland game a few weeks ago. Uh, mm. the last last uh, full what you would call it fixture of the of the league normal I think. What was the what was the atmosphere like? I, I think I saw that you two Korea. said you were going down uh, on Twitter to Preston. Did you make it in the end? You, you got there, didn't you, to the Preston game? What was the atmosphere like? Because it was a bit all kinds of different variables could have happened. I know Blackburn could have done it. I think Millwall were in there or, or somebody else. Yourselves. Was there just too much to sort of keep tabs on? What was the atmosphere like? Absolutely insane. I mean, <laughs> I think when we're under the hood. Um, of the stand, it was it was chaos. So no no one really had any phone signal. People were saying between one another, or oh, like so and so scored, or like Blackburn's came back, but no one ever really knew. Especially where I was sitting, because I was sitting at the other end to where Ant and and Jack were sitting, and Carl was sitting further down, and uh, like no one really kind of knew what was actually going on. So people were asking other people in the stands yeah. what's going on because no one had any signal, but. It was just absolutely chaos and, you know, obviously achieving what we achieved took us about half an hour to, uh, to, to get out of the stadium as well, especially from, from my end as well. But um, one thing which was really, really interesting about that is is the Preston fans. So when the game had finished at full time, Preston fans left. However, their players came out for the lap of honour. <laughs> but there was no Preston fans left oh, for it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All of the Sunderland fans stayed and clapped the Preston fans, which I thought wow. was really awesome. And the fact that no one could get out the stand because it was just chaos. But I thought that was really interesting. But the atmosphere, absolutely insane. I absolutely loved it. First away fixture I've been to in you know, quite a while as well. Yeah. So, um, class, absolutely brilliant. Loved it. It was yeah, difficult it was, to sorry go sorry go. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, yeah. Just just out of that, it was it was kinda like what what I was saying earlier on that you feel you've got the club back now and is like kinda cliched as it is. But going down there we sold six thousand tickets and you know, I think we could we probably could have sold the stadium out, you know, considering hmm. like how I think it went to like fifty five loyalty points, which which is quite a lot and we, we sold out dead quick, you know. I mean I had to perform miracles to get Gary a ticket to be honest. Um but just the the um we've never I've never really had that kind of um buzz when you were waiting on other results you know to, just to get into the playoffs I mean it was mad um as Gary said nobody's phone signal was working so you were just going off word of mouth 
Um, and you know, to get that, I mean, imagine in you know, imagine if that was to go up, it, it would have been just surreal. Um, and it was just, it was an amazing away day. You know, one of it ranks in my top three definitely. And I've I've been with a few of my time, you know, but that, it was just amazing. It was a fantastic day out. And um, fair play to the, like I say, the the Preston, the players afterwards. I mean, we were the only ones applauding them because Preston fans are nicked off. So it was literally just us upon Preston fans. Ah. It was probably weird, but um, fair play to them. They came over and you know congratulated our players and all sorts. It was it was a great day out. Can I ask? Like I know um, you said Sigmund wasn't very good in there, but you must have got an inkling at like half time with Millwall. I think we're three one up against Blackburn at the Den. Now, as we know, the Den's a hard place to go. Um, you must have had some kind of idea at half time that uh, it's not going to be our day. Millwall have made it. Coventry are getting a result of Borough. What was? If you can't tell us through the story of as is maybe as Blackburn goals were seeking through. As in, more and more, like, hang on a minute, this is... Because I think it was that Blackburn comeback in the last, like, 20 minutes of the game that ensured you made the playoffs. Not that, yeah. you know, your own win obviously contributed, but it, what must that have been like, realising the, the slow realisation, possibly, that this is actually going to happen, where no one gave us, you know, not much of a chance, but we were an outsider to make it, and all of a sudden we've surged into the playoff places in the last 10 games of the season. And this mad comeback, Millwall absolutely shit the bed and we're in the playoffs. What's that? That must have been absolutely mental. Yeah, and, and bearing in mind, we were we were nil-nil at half-time as well. So we weren't doing our job either. You know, I'd, I'd made me peace with it, to be fair. Probably before the game, I was like, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, fair enough. You know what I mean? I wouldn't have been too disappointed. But like at half-time, it was like, yeah, it's not going to be our day, you know, because we'd had a couple of chances as well that, you know, we probably should have put away and, and sort of pressing, to be fair. Um, but then, like, when we scored, when Ahmad scored, and Ahmad scored an absolute worldie, and, you know, we're like, right, we're doing our bit. And, and it was just at the point where Blackburn were beginning to make their, like, comeback. And I think it was either when Jack Clark's goal went in or, or Pritchard's, the second one, was when Blackburn equalised. So we were like celebrating double, and then you know when that winner, when the winner came in, you you could see it. They really showed on the telly. It was a fantastic kind of um, reaction of what actually did happen because it just went from where Gary was sitting, his uh, his end of the ground, all just jumped up, and we didn't have a obviously where we were, we didn't have a clue. There was nobody had any signal, um, so we were just literally just asking everyone, like, oh yeah, it's four three. It was like, oh, we've done it then, you know, because it was never gonna. I think that was like the eighty ninth minute or something. You know, we were comfortably winning. We weren't going to throw it away because we, we, we had a fantastic second half. And it didn't really matter. I mean, I'd rather it had come from Blackburn, if you know what I mean, because the, 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 the fan in us hated the fact that I wanted Barrett to win. Um, you know, being a local rival and things like that. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd rather not. It's um, it's not a nice feeling, but yeah, euphoria at the end, Gary, won it. It was, it was amazing, wasn't it, uh, it was it was crazy and and you're going back to there like no one really knowing what's going on because no one had like phone signal it was very scattered even like messages between all of us like when we're trying to like find out what was going on and obviously when we had the penalty shout as well you obviously don't see a replay in the stadium um but like it was just crazy like all of our messages were so scattered and as you remember and you know when when we drove over and a bird shit on me car. I was like, it's our time, lads. It's our time. And I put a message in our group chat going, I've got a good feeling about this. It's coming. But when you don't know what's going on, you, you don't know what to think. But, I mean, it, it was nice that, you know, an old team of 
Tony Mowbray has, you know, got us over the line, you know, come back against Millwall, which to be fair was a shock over the result. Uh, Duncan Watmore getting a brace as well. It was kind of like a little bit of a kick in the teeth to Russell in, in a little way. But then Tony Mowbray's team, former team, coming back, winning the game, which then obviously got us into sixth place. Insane. Actually insane, but such a great atmosphere, such a great time. And, and you know, credit, uh, you know, the, the press, the press and support as well. Like, never really, like, we never, like, bumped into anyone who, like, give us any kind of chew. And they all said, to be honest, that we'll, we'll probably win, we've played well, which, you know, it's nice. It's nice when you're on an away day and there's no kind of, like, fans being a little bit arsey with you, I guess. Do, do you remember back in the 90s, lads, when, like, there was always some bloke with a wireless attached to his ear? You know, and I watched Match of the Day on Sunday and a couple of Leicester fans had it. And I was like, right, we had none of that. No one brought a wireless. There was there was people just looking on the phone with no signal. Um, <laughs> because of how, like, how we'd sold the away end out. You know, the phone, everyone's phone had just crashed. So it was it was absolute madness. Like, but it'd be something, give me that again at the end of, ne- at the end of next season. I'll gladly take it, to be fair. It was such a great day out, like. No, it was insane, absolutely insane. And you mentioned there about the the guy with the radio to his ear for Leicester. I was expecting him to totally be a meme on Odds Bible on Instagram. Oh yeah, it's happened as of yet, but I'm still yeah. expecting it. Like, still time, it's still time. <laughs> just going, um, just go on. Sorry, go on, Greg. Just a quick one. So just going back to the um, that situation of who could have gone in the playoffs, who couldn't have. I was texting a few of my mates, and we all we all support different teams, but we're all in the same group chat. One of my mates, Jack, is a Bolton fan, and he was saying um, he said he didn't want Blackburn to do it because they were on minus goal difference. And he said, "I'm not having a team with minus goal difference going into the playoffs." He said, "That's that's sacrilege." He said, "I'm not having any of that." But sorry, Jim, that's all I was saying. That he wasn't happy that Blackburn could have potentially done it on. Um, was it minus two? Um, was it minus two? Let's have a look. Something like uh, that. Minus goal. Minus, minus yeah. two. Yeah. They were mad on Blackburn. They didn't draw for like about six years, and they yeah. drew every game. Yeah. Like so, there were there was an odd season they had Blackburn. Um, not that we can delve too much into it. They literally, um, Brereton Diaz was like by far and away their top player. Clearly, yeah. but he's going off to Real, which is a hell of a transfer. Um, but yeah, no strange one. Um, no going back to the playoffs, lads. Obviously, when the dust has settled and you got to sixth, and you saw you were playing Luton, was. Part of you thinking, oh shit, this could be Borough at Wembley here. Because I'm not going to lie, in the predictions we did on the podcast, I tipped you and Borough to make the final. Thinking, oh, nice little... I know it's not your biggest rivalry, but still, you know, North East Derby at Wembley, that'd be juicy. And, and, you know, I blame myself partly for the fact that you messed it up because my prediction skills are obviously fantastic. Um, <laughs> but with part of you, like, thinking, oh, fucking hell, it's going to be Borough at Wembley, isn't it? Can I, oh, you know, any of that? Or just, like, just take each game I think it was you know, important to take each game first and foremost. But you know, you, we had the conversations like where Luton have had a very good season. A lot of their players, are, you know, quite large players, um, very good in the air. You know, a lot of their goals have came from set play, um, which ultimately is our weakness. Um, to come against Luton, I, I, me and I were kind of honest about it, and I'm probably the more stupid of us two and say ridiculously stupid stuff. But we were kind of realistic about it. You know, we both thought Luton probably was over the two legs we're going to win. Obviously, as a fan, you know, we, we want to go to the playoffs. We want to win the playoffs and be back in the Premier League. But there's got to be a certain part of realism um, there. And, you know, first leg, 
couldn't have asked for a better result to be quite honest. I think maybe their the the atmosphere maybe got to them. Um quite shocked, if I'm honest. Um I didn't expect to win two one. Um but nonetheless really good result. Really good to see Ahmad as well score a free kick, especially, you know, when set pieces are a weakness. Um but the the good thing about that is seeing him do that before the game and then kind of incorporate incorporated into the game which was great um you know the the team as a whole had a, had a really good game alex pritchard played like prime messi and Pre- against preston and in the first leg to be fair he, he was great second leg pitch is very narrow probably got to us a little bit i don't don't think our lads like the physical battle to be quite honest with you know the, the bigger more shithouse versions um I think we all knew as well. As soon as they had a corner, there was probably going to be a goal. I think we just shit ourselves, to be quite honest, when it comes to set pieces. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was difficult. I was kind of hoping that it was going to go to extra time because normally that is the Sunderland way in the playoffs. But unfortunately, it just it just wasn't meant to be. And, and on the day, you know, the, the more physical team, the, the one, you know, and then that's where our our young, much younger players are going to learn from it, they, you know, over the summer, they'll probably all know that maybe they need to, you know, physically bulk up a little bit, they'll be in the gym probably more, we, we know that our weakness is physicality, um, and winning an aerial battle, so it's unfortunate to lose the way we lost, but in a way it was kind of we were going up against a team which had a great away record and also a great home record. They've played great football. And, you know, I think some people, I, I think, you know, Rob Edwards needs a bit of credit there as well. Oh, yeah. After's Watford manager and now he's he, he left. Well, obviously he got sacked, but then he got promoted. Maybe Watford could have just did that if they just give him the season maybe. But, yeah, credit credit Luton, you know, they, they play great football. You know, they got promoted. They got a good coach. You know, they got a good nucleus. They just need to work on it a little bit more to maybe stay in the league. I think to go on your point, Jimmy, about the, the final, I think the happiest um, people in the world would have been the London Met Police that Orson Berra were knocked out in the semi-finals because the day after the playoff final, Newcastle were away to Chelsea. So all three fans would have been down there. <laughs> it would have been absolute carnage. Um, oh, it really would yeah, <laughs> it would have been such 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 a shower. I mean, it would have been the Battle of Trafalgar again. You know what I mean? But wow. uh, it is Shut what it Carl is. Allen there, because why not? Just yeah, yeah. I mean, Carl they, they can just get himself had, in the mix, and then that beats Bedlam. Yeah, oh. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think Gary's quite hit the nail on the head a little bit there. Like, we just it was one step too far. Like, had it been. You know, a one-legged affair and we'd won 2-1, you'd have been over the moon. But playoffs are playoffs. And the, normally you do find the best team over the two legs do win. And, and Luton were probably in the second leg. They deserved, they should have scored more goals. You know, we, we gave them a couple of very good opportunities and they missed. But I think had we'd had Danny Bath and Ross Stewart there, and that's just two of our like nine or ten or whatever who were injured, had the the big player missing was Danny Bath because that's what that's his meat and drink is you know header and header and away at set pieces and it's it's what he's probably been the best at all season in in the league for doing that and we needed someone who could hold the ball up up front just just to get a little bit of respite to get our players in the game and unfortunately you know that's not what Joel Gellhart was brought to do um you know and the game kind of passed him by a little bit but you know take nothing away from Luton you know I'm, I am actually quite glad they've gone up you know I, I really am for a couple of reasons I think the first one I was kind of wait to see the likes of Kevin De Bruyne at Kenilworth Road I think that'll be hilarious and second of all you're looking at like 
if we want to make you know a really good kind of push of promotion next year had Luton had lost to Coventry I don't think you're looking at that many Premier League teams coming in for Luton players whereas you know Victor Gjokares is obviously going to be Premier League player next year you could probably say Gustavo Haim is gonna gonna sign for a Premier League team Callum O'Hare more than likely will leave you're looking at Coventry thinking they've got to really you know kind of you know revolutionize themselves again and they're gonna have to replace some big big players did offer Berra because I can see Akpong going, um, and I don't think they'll get Archer back now, uh, on loan, and they've been their best two players really. You look at like like Luton. I don't think the Premier League teams would have come in for Luton, whereas you know now they're two of our direct competition are going to have to you know replace big players. I'm not saying we're pro we're probably going to have to re replace one or two of course, but I don't think we've got that much of a rebuild model, you know, this season than what uh, sorry next season than what Berra and Coventry will. Take that with the teams going down. I think a few of them will have to, you know, you look at Leicester going to massively have to change their, you know, playing structure and their playing staff. You look at that thinking, mm, you know, we might have a decent enough chance next season. But, but you know, fair credit to Luton. I'm, I am quite happy for them to be fair and, you know, see what happens next year with, you know, <laughs> the mighty Man City and Man United and all that trying to get into that other way end. So fair play to them. They do seem like a, uh, a genuine side, don't they, Luton? I don't think anyone's really going, oh, why them? Do you know, there's no real... Mm. Unless, I'm assuming, direct uh, rivals or local rivals. But, yeah, I watched the last 10 minutes against Coventry. Um, I was, I was, I didn't really know who to root for because there was an ex-Rochdale player on both sides. Jamie Allen were in Coventry's side and Gabriel Osho is in the Luton side. I was, like, torn between, oh, I don't know who would want to win. But yeah, they seem like the type of type of team that no one particularly hates, or they're not no dirty tactics or anything like that. You could say they've done it within reasonable, you know, they're not really spent millions and millions or anything like that. It's going to be really interesting, as you say, to see these sort of world class players at Luton. And I think actually, I think the Premier League possibly needs it a little bit just to just to bring it down to earth a little bit in terms of you've got these sort of galactic players and these great players and. You know, they've got the humble Luton town. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to see how it all pans out. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It really will be. And I know people are kind of writing them off already, saying that Derby's points records under threat and all that stuff. And I think they'll surprise a few teams. You know, I really do. They've obviously, they've, you know, they've got to improve the stadium and all that. And they will have to sign, you know, a couple. And that will that'll be their worry. That'll be my worry for them, that I cannot see many, you know, big-name players taking the chance with them. Um, you know, going down there, and they'll be able to offer the you know massive wages. But even if they're just there for a season, they'll have the the best season of their lives. To be fair, so fair play. I and mean, I think Gary made a very good point before about Rob Edwards. Bearing in mind, he got sacked by Watford, and you know it was it was stupid. It was a stupid sacking, and you know it was on the back of actually drawing with Sunderland, and and we scored in the last minute against them. Um, I thought it was a really silly decision at the time, and he he's a fantastic coach. You know, he's he's got two successive promotions now. We're under Forest Green and uh and with Luton now and he's just um I think he's kind of made them into a bit of more of a footballing side, whereas under Nathan Jones are a bit like swashbuckling and, and played the strengths very, very well, whereas he's kind of, you know, made them into a you know, a decent footballing side. So, you know, I hope that to stick by him no matter what next year, you know, even if it isn't, you know, great. You look what Forrest have done with Steve Cooper and, you know, they were struggling big style, weren't they? But they've stuck by their manager, you know, not once but twice this season. And look where, look what they've done. They've stayed up. Whereas the the teams that have sacked the managers, 
you know, the likes of Leeds who sacked, um, well, sacked Jesse Marsh and um, I can't remember the other guy's Rafa, name. Yeah. But, um, the, you know, they've, they've sacked them, like, you know, and brought Allardyce in a little probably too late. You know, Leicester sacked Rodgers maybe a little bit too late as well. Um, and you look what's happened. You know, they've gone down. It, it doesn't always work. You know, we, we were the... We were the, the kind of nucleus of, of that sacking a manager in April and staying up, but eventually it, it hit us and we, we ended up going down, you know. Um, so it, it kind of shows that sticking by your manager kind of does work. And, you know, so maybe Watford fans are sitting, you know, watching watching Luton go up on, on Saturday thinking it could have been us if we just gave him a bit of time. Yeah, I watched um, Rob Edwards' Forest Greenside at Prempton Park. Last season, can you still call it last season? Is it last season, season before last? Who knows? You've still got the European finals to come, it's still this season, isn't it? So last yeah, it's still this season. season. If it comes yeah, it's still week, this it's season. season. If you don't, yeah, it's, it's that weird moment where what's this season, what's yes. next season, what's last season? Yeah. yeah, anyway, the season Forest Green won League Two. I saw um, their side absolutely tear Rovers apart at Prenton Park, 4 0. They were a phenomenal team. Um, okay, a lot of the players that were at FGR left in the summer to go elsewhere, mm. and obviously Edwards himself went off to Watford, but I thought they were a fantastic side, a great manager. I just think Watford, I think Watford's the wrong club for so well. Watford proves to be the wrong club for so many managers because they go through about 18 a season. Um, but I think Watford was the wrong club in terms of the club that weren't pretty patient with him. You could see now, 10 games in, he was gone. Despite what they said, we're going to back him, hell come hell or high water, they said or something at the start of the season. Yeah. Garrick was at Watford and you're like, really though? That the managers you've had in the dugout and you're willing to give the guy who's just won League Two, two divisions below you, like all the time in the world. Are you sure about that? Uh, they should have done. Absolutely, the proof in, is is in what's happened with Luton. But I think Watford are a different case for a different day. But I think going back to what Gregson, unless you are a Watford fan, it's incredibly hard to hate this Luton side. I mean, yes, yeah. they're physical. Yes, they're a hard hard side and I, one thing I noticed certainly from the second leg was the amount of times the commentators have to apologise for swearing because the ground's that small and the boom mics and the cameras are that close to the fans that and I can't wait for that next season the Premier League where they have to apologise every five minutes for a Luton fan swearing at you know at home to Man City or United going around the world I'm bullshit for that that's fun. I can't wait for that Um but I think when you see a club go from now, obviously just before my memory, they went down from the old first division, i.e. Premier League in 1992, so they just missed out on the very first season of the success of the Premier League. So they dropped down all the way with a bit of success in between. I think they went up from like League One to the Championship at one point, but to basically drop straight down to the National League, they had 30 points deducted. How can you hate a club that's been crapped on so much by authorities and outside influences? Um, and they fought their way back up, and it's a, it's a story, Greg, that, you know, it proves you can go from the National League to the Premier League in nine years. So, what we're saying is, um, Rochdale to be in the Premier League by uh, 2032 is uh, my prediction. You heard it here first. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I wish. I, wish. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not impossible, mate. If Luton can do it, then nah, probably not. But. <laughs> 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 but uh, onto the stadium issue I think it'll be let. I think the stadium itself will be less of an issue than people make out yes it's different it's literally you can't do anything with it it's packed into the middle of a massive what looks like a housing estate which I think is brilliant but the pitch is fantastic and that's what the players play on and a lot of the players will have played you forget the legs of Erling Haaland will have played at some absolute no mark ground in Norway 
that Bruno Fernandes will have played at like have you ever watched like lower league, like Portuguese league football some of the sides at the bottom of the Portuguese league play on like absolutely nothing stadia now I get that it's a bit different when you've got 10,000 screaming Luton fans literally on top of you and I think those fans will make the difference for Luton next season the ground itself hey look players have come up through the ranks who have played at any old stadium but I think those fans and that that intimidating atmosphere where 10,000 fans can sound like 70,000 because that's what I believe it's like and those fans are going to I think Luton will be fine I genuinely think they will get their home form you can just see for example Tottenham going there and losing 1-0 you can just see Arsenal going there on a Friday night probably the first game of the season losing 1-0 you, you can just see it. you can see Everton going there losing 5-0 let's be perfectly honest <laughs> um, we're going to bottle that one big time Jesus Christ I hope, I hope it gets the first game of the season at all I really hope it's that? guaranteed to be on Sky isn't it you know, oh, yeah. Gets, guaranteed to be on Sky. I, just yeah, I reckon you've got... I reckon Luton Arsenal, Friday night. Yeah. First game of the season. Um, reminiscent of the 1988 League Cup final, which Luton won. It'll be all that kind of, oh, wow. You know, and um, I think Luton won it. <laughs> because it always it always seems to go that way, where Arsenal gets some promoted team away from home on a Friday night, i.e. Brentford. Um, Marge, uh, Marge uh, in the, the housing estate will have to make sure that our knickers are washed for that game, like... Going oh, walking through a house in a state with dirty knickers on the line. <laughs> oh Jesus! Yeah, imagine that. Imagine that. Though. You get like thousands of away fans turning up. There's your washing hanging out. <laughs> like, like they, have to, um, they have to move the cars um, before every match day. Because obviously people live there next to Road. Yeah, they yeah, have yeah. to move the cars before every match day, or they get towed. <laughs> imagine the bill at the end of the season <laughs> if you've just That's forgot. Mental. I mean, I saw <laughs> some news article. This is slightly unrelated. A news article the other day about people complaining about um, football fans. They bought, they've got their houses lived down the road from the Hawthorns at West Brom, and how like you know fans and, and the rubbish they leave and the shouting and the swearing and the, the thuggery that goes on with football fans. But like, I just think Luton, you literally your stadium is like pretty, your is, your house is like in the ground. I think it's mm-hmm. wonderful, but I can't imagine some of the sights and sounds and things that. People living in those houses and stuff put up with from visiting supporters on a weekly basis. Jesus Christ. Just a quick one on the um that we don't they run about Luton might not hit the Premier League regulations because of the ground and things like that. Does it hit championship regulations? I'm guessing. Um, clearly it does. I would assume it has to, yeah. I have yeah? no idea. But because um... because I'm thinking out loud, but if they're hosting Sunderland, Burnley, they're gonna take a good few. You'd have thought. Mm. So surely, if it's okay to host Burnley Sunderland, it's okay to host After, Sheffield. Yeah. And... Greg, it's to do with the media side of it. It's to do ah, with right. so many like camera spots available because Premier League right. obviously it's, it, there's more to it. There's more like media places. There's more yeah. corporate stuff because you've got sponsors that go to the Premier League games. There's all that sort of very modern football Premier League right. shite. It really, yeah. Um, Blackpool had to replace one of their, they're basically their waist stand. That's oh, the yeah. went up. Um, because again, it's don't forget, this isn't the first time we've had an issue with the club coming up as a bit of a surprise wearing orange, having issues with their stadium. Because, like I say, Blackpool did it all those years ago, and what a team that was, by the way. And like I say, they actually forget a temporary stand in Bournemouth when they came up. The uh, Jeff Moston, remember an interview with the chairman back in I think it was 2015, Bournemouth came up was like, I didn't realise the cost that we had to spend on not doing anything physically to the stadium, just making sure that the suites and the surrounding area was enough for like to host 
Premier League media delegates or that kind of caper, which is the stuff that we as fans don't necessarily appreciate or know too much about. We just see it as, because I've seen it as, Luton, they've hosted big teams in the FA Cup. They've hosted big teams in the Championship. Surely they can host big teams in the Premier League, but I think it's more to do with the Premier League itself and all the, the wankery around that, basically. Yeah, getting VAR I did wonder. and all that stuff as well, wasn't it? I did something wonder. Something to do with VAR, I think. I think VAR once again's fucked the team up. It's um, it's interesting because thinking on a different, completely different level. But when when Rochdale get big teams in the FA Cup, the amount of stuff they have to load into the stadium, like the the camera in Sandy Lane, which is in with the fans, it's smack bang in the middle with the fans, and it's just all kinds of logistically, you know, I, I didn't think of it until until that um, particular VAR and what have you media. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, and I, I do sincerely hope that in terms of the actual aesthetics of the stadium, Luton, if they can help it, don't do anything to it. I think it's brilliant what they've got. I think it's it's a bit of a ramshackle, but it's their ramshackle, and that's what you that's like you say, it brings a few fans down to earth. I don't think majority of football fans have got their heads so far up their backside of the Premier League that they don't believe these stadiums exist. I think the majority of Man City fans probably will have been to Luton in the league before many many moons ago so yeah. to be fair they they, you know, they forget where they were Ooh. Um, so I don't think it'll come as a culture shock to some supporters but I think it's more these people that only watch football from two years ago and only know there's ever six teams in the entire country that seem to think this is like some big oh my god how has this happened but no, I think it's bloody brilliant I hope they keep it exactly as it is and don't change a thing I'm with you I totally agree as well. To be fair, I, I think it's hilarious. Like, um, it, it, even when like I play FIFA twenty three, I want to play it all the the, the the crap grounds as such. Like, I think it's just interesting to see what they actually look like. And I just had a look there while we were talking about Luton, and I was just very curious as to how much the houses actually cost right next to Kenilworth Road, and like two hundred and fifty grand. You know, it's insane. <laughs> I mean, you, you're technically getting a season ticket to Luton because you'll hear the vibrations through the wall every Saturday, like. Yeah, it's expensive season ticket when you think about it. Yeah, I suppose if you extrapolate it out over a few years, like, yeah. or it's, I think it's, a, isn't that a season ticket at Arsenal, two hundred fifty grand? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you ever remember that? Um, I don't know which. Um, I don't know if it was a yellow page's advertisement, but there was like a block of flats, and somebody was sort of sneaking in with the mate to go up a block of flats. I don't know if it was West Ham or to watch Arsenal, and then they'd sort of knock on. I don't know. I'll try and find the advert and put it in the chat later, but that's just reminding me of that. Yeah, I think it was Yellow Page. Yeah, show me age now. I think it's a massive hotel that overlooks Lake Orient's ground. And I think there's... the Where was it? It was a stadium during lockdown. It might have been in Scotland or somewhere where people were basically sitting on top of a mound, a mound and looking into the ground during, during the COVID it's, um, I don't remember where that was, but, you know, yeah. Northampton is one. Right, it's sort of uh, up, up, sort of like um, not quite a cliff, but like a right. like a like a hill hill point looking down. Uh, yeah, okay. that, that's one I remember going to. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sure the G Tech's overlooked by like a block of flats as well, and you can see down in Brentford Stadium or something. Uh, Brentford's ground it is, yeah. Yeah, Brentford, yeah, yeah. Brentford. That's another one. Absolutely. There was a um, a lad from Sunderland in lockdown. Um, when we were trying, I think it might have been under Lee Johnson. When we we went to Oxford, and he hired out a, a van 
with Crane on and stood at the top of the crane to watch Sunderland v Oxford. And then I can't <laughs> remember who we were playing and mm. the, the other gym connected to the stadium and he bought a gym membership just for that day and went to Sunderland <laughs> in the gym. <laughs> fans will do well, won't they? But oh, yeah. Did he have his Sunderland kit on as well? <laughs> he should have done. That would, that would have been brilliant. Yeah, I'll try to remember the team. I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, send a tweet. That's there. a brilliant I one. Listeners, we ask you a question. Have you ever gone through any nefarious means to watch your team live? Have <laughs> 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 you ever tried any ways to... I remember, I remember going to Scunthorpe in League One. Oh, yeah. And the the bother was that I think there'd been an issue with either my where basically I bought a junior ticket, um and you know put you you know you put it through, normally I'm used to you know being when I was in the championship and in the Premier League and all that you know the scanner and all that stuff now which you know is drip feeding its way down Scunthorpe had the old fashioned guy on the gate looked at me went you're not eight you're not you're not seventeen or whatever like that you know so I just jumped over the barrier you know bearing in mind I'm like. 19 Clem, you know, like it was, it was a bit of a difficult <laughs> feat to do. You know, jumped over the barrier, ran, ran away, and uh, yeah, managed to watch the game. To be fair, but that, that's probably the, the only, the only uh, close one. I think the rest of it, I've been good boy. <laughs> With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, to be fair, I don't think I've been in any kind of situations like that. One that does kind of stand out, and this is again just you know going back to general stupidity, is uh, me and a few friends went uh, to Albufeira in Portugal, and some of them were actually uh, on pre-season in Albufeira. And um, where we were staying, it was just like some two-star hotel, but it was actually a really nice hotel, and our balcony overlooked a football pitch. Um, and I was like, what? Like, that's canny football pitch. And then one of our friends, Carl, who was a Sunderland fan, was like, Sunderland's playing at that pitch in two right. different time, like on a friendly. And we were like, no way. Wow. But obviously, when you're on holiday, you're drinking from like 11 o'clock in the morning to <laughs> whenever. So, us being stupid, um, we thought Sunderland were actually playing at this pitch. So, we were like, oh, well, we'll get some beers in. We'll sit on the balcony. We'll wait for the match. Kicks off quarter eight. Obviously, we were hammers. So, we were sitting there on the balcony waiting for this apparent football match to start. Absolutely no life in the stadium whatsoever. And I was like, Carl, are you sure the Sun are playing at the stadium? He's like, yeah, definitely, definitely. Turned out they were actually playing at a stadium close at the Faro Airport. And we literally sat there for about three hours, hoping that Sunderland were going to play on this random football pitch. And it just didn't happen. So I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't say that we're, I've done anything stupid, but probably that was the most stupid because we were just drunk. But yeah, unfortunate. What I'd love there is if there had been a game going on and in your drunken haze that you thought it was Sunderland yeah. it was just some random lads from Portugal just playing in like some mirage. game. You were like, go on lads. Wait. Then you're trying to go down to get autographs and it's just these fellas, just Pedro and Felix and Yao just like <laughs> you, down. Just, just, just happy to be wearing red and white there. as well. <laughs> like we built the hotel, lads really going for kickabout. <laughs> Come down the pitch. I've got a question actually. What's to Gary Anant actually? What's the worst um, stadium you've been to in all the years of of, of travelling with Sunderland? 
I, I think I, I can give you mine. I'll give you mine. Mine's Hull's old stadium. Hull before the case. Is it KC? Before mm, is it Booth yeah. and Crescent? That was just it no, was horrible. Park, it? That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> well, that'd be quick save horrible. It was. It had a quick save bolted into it. It was bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gary and if you want to say Goodison's away and be, it, it's fine. <laughs> we know it's done. We're moving soon. We just hope to not be relegated before we move. Go on. You know what? I would say for me, Eric and Stanley, and not necessarily because the stadium ah. was bad. It was more so when we went. Um, it was absolutely chucking down. It was when we were in League oh, yeah. One. Yeah. And, um, it got abandoned eventually. I think it got abandoned like the 80th or 75th minute. Um, but not necessarily because the stadium was a dump, although it was a little bit of a dump. Um, the fact that their supporters were in a stand which had no shelter and it was absolutely chucking down and fair play to them. Obviously, they all stayed for the game and stuff, but um, it wasn't exactly the most luxury of stadiums as such. It felt like I was play, like we were playing in, you know, like just random kind of, you know, football, like Sunday League stadium, but I'd probably say that's probably the, the worst that I've been to. Um, I can't really say I've been to many bad stadiums, to be fair. I mean, something I'd love to tick off my um, bucket list and go to some horrible stadiums just for the banter. That'd be quite funny. <laughs> Maybe we do I, that I've next season. A, I've got a few. Like, I have got a few. Um, I totally agree about Hull Stadium. Yeah. That, that was an absolute hellhole. Oh, it was horrible, um, weren't it? Uh, I remember being to... Um, you know when Wimbledon was struggling for a home um, so this is this has been under Roy Keane and they played at the National Hockey Arena and it Ooh. was literally just there was about 4,000 people there and it oh, was, was just brilliant. bizarre like, it, like <laughs> there was no stand at the back like behind the goals it was just an athletics track um, and there was just like a main stand like left and right It was, and that was like a pyramid kind of scheme kind of where wow. like, the stadium was it was Pretty, pretty horrible. And, and, and kind of sticking with the Wimbledon theme, um, MK Dons, you know, their stadium is, it's not, not so much as a bad stadium, it's quite a nice stadium to be fair, but the, the way it's positioned, it's it's literally in the middle of, yes. it's, like being, it's like being in a shopping centre yes. and then having a football stadium at the end of the shopping centre, you're like, we were in TGI Fridays and then come out to a shopping centre <laughs> and then it's a football ground just next to it and you're like, huh? You know what I mean, and and that I mean that's that's a bizarre place. You know, I think mean, Doncaster's as well. That's in the middle of an industrial it's, it's, estate. That is a weird one. I've been to Doncaster's. Yeah, that's a bizarre situation setup. It's mad. Um, about that, I mean, going back to Goodison, I mean, I have had a, I had a bad experience at Goodison when we we'd scored. Um, this would have been. Yeah. I think it might have been when we got absolutely tonked. So it might have been it's seven one or eight one or something or other. In the Premier League, Dwight I was going to say, man, a nice sway which time because yeah, we've got a few games where hate to say it, but no, no, I think you know, there was there was a seven one, there was a six two, I don't know, yeah, yeah, it was, I think it was a seven one. York scored for Sunderland, and the only like goal that I saw, like my team score, I was sat right and hit him right in front of a pillar, so I couldn't even see it anywhere, so I missed mm. that. So all your bloody oh, goals, you missed that was you. <laughs> But, you get a no, quid no. off for sitting behind those pillars. You can't see a bloody thing, but you get a quid off. <laughs> no, but uh, I mean, I, I would miss, you know, I, 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 prefer, I do like the, the good old-fashioned stadiums we've seen yeah. off, off air before. And I was saying to Greg and all, I, I really enjoyed every time we went down to Rochdale, really, in proper away day. I mentioned Scunthorpe before. I mean, you know, it was a pretty, you know, shit day. You know, it was a boring 1-1 <laughs> draw. Yeah. I think they scored in the last minute or something over there. But I enjoyed that stadium. You know, I, I kind of have a little bit of, like, you know, I think it's just because I grew up with Roker Park, 
You know what I mean? And yes. that was like one of those old-fashioned stadiums, you know what I mean? So I, I, I do prefer them to these mega, you know, stadiums that we're getting at the moment. But, um, yeah, I'll probably miss Goodison, but I think you'll, you'll find a nice home in, in the new one. And just glad that you're playing in the right league for it, to be fair. Uh, it would be a lovely to be in the championship with one. <laughs> I do have a question for everyone on the back of stadiums, right? So, yeah. if you could go to any stadium... Besides maybe the obvious ones like Bernabeu and, and Camp Nou, which stadium would you love to go to? Oh, wow. Um, oh, uh, hmm. I would like to I, I would like to revisit one. I'll, I'll go for one that I've never been to, and I'll, then I'll go for one that I'd like to revisit. Uh, me and Jimmy went to um, Hertha Berlin, didn't we, Jim? That was a fantastic experience. The fans were non-stop singing. Um, it, it was... Um, was it one of the, was it the first one of the first home games of the season or one of it was close close. I think it was the first home game of the season around August time. So I think it was their first home game of the season, wasn't it that year? But the the, the Bundesliga side of things is fantastic. How oh, they they've got things set up fantastically. So I think I think I don't know if it was with you, Jim, or, or another um, group of lads, but I think your your match ticket doubles up as a train ticket. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like, I like that. I think German football does have that. I think we right. did. I think you may have had that when you went to another German game as well. Yeah. But we, I'm sure, we did actually for that day. Yeah, yeah, that was a great. That was a great atmosphere. And that's not one. That's not like saying Barcelona, Real Madrid, blah blah blah. But I, I, Hertha Berlin was a really good. It, it wouldn't stop. People were banging the drum. A everything. Average. Well, now a very crap Bundesliga team that's gone to the uh, Zweite Bundesliga. As of this season, unfortunately, they they have got a hell of a fan base and a fantastic atmosphere for a team that doesn't do anything ever. I'll think of another um, one later. I'll, I'll think well, of another I one. Mean, but that was the one to revisit because I really enjoyed that. It was fantastic. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, part of me, obviously, the first one that came to mind is an obvious one, but it's Dortmund. But then, would I want to stand there and listen to "You'll Never Walk Alone"? That's my biggest <laughs> issue. No, I, don't think, I don't think you would. Actually. I think I have to just like pretend that isn't happening. Um, oh, it's such a tough one, though. Ah, there's so many great, great, great stadiums and so many great fan bases. It's hard to tell. It'd have to be. I mean, that's a, it's a hard question because it depends what you're looking for. Do you want a big stadium with a massive crowd? Do you want a small stadium? Do you want something a bit quirky? You know, like Braga's ground, for example. Where it's built in. Actually, I'll go Braga because I know it's it, it's just mental, and I'd like to go. I've never been to Portugal. Yeah, I'd like to go, and I think Braga are a bit of a Bit of a hipster club, um, with their two-sided stadium built into a rock. So I'll go Braga. Plus we'll have to listen to that song if we go there. It was, um, I've, I've been I was to say yeah. Braga, so I think I'm knackered now. I don't know <laughs> one. Um, probably the Mar- I mean, just did I say I've been probably the Maracana in Brazil? You oh know, wow! Just, obviously with the the, the Jesus statue on yeah. the top of it as well. Dear love me. to go and watch a football match there. Yeah, mine would be La Bombonera, like Potter Juniors, like oh, a, a yeah. stadium which has just kind of never changed. It's always yeah. been the history, the support, like where it's located, the museum that's inside of it, the wall, you know, yes. the straight line stadium, uh, stand. I think it would just be insane to go to La Bombonera. Like, I, that, if I could go to any stadium, it would be that one. That be that's a good choice. A couple of year ago, um, me and two of my mates went to uh, we went to Italy, try, hoping to get tickets for the um, Milan derby. We we got outvoted between two of us. We said, "Oh, we'll get tickets when we get there," and all that kind of stuff. We should have gotten beforehand. But anyway, we got there. One of my mates, uh, Jimmy knows both of them, but um, one of my mates paid two hundred and twenty quid for one ticket in the Milan derby, and it was nil nil up until the ninety third minute. 
and I think Inter Milan scored. But um, so he went in on his own, and me and my other mate Femi watched it in the pub across the road. And honestly, the experience of just being in the pub next near near to the San Siro was phenomenal, because they had like Milan fans and Inter fans all crammed into this sort of very. Um, well, just very culture, the culture of it all, everything, and they were all cussing and swearing and beer going all over the place. But that was that was just a great experience, not even going in the stadium. So I don't know what like being in it was like. It must have been like a cauldron. <laughs> nice. So many good stadiums, though. <laughs>